0: Hey everybody, this is Michael Sweet from Striper, and you are listening to Focus on Metal.
1: Hey Metalheads, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to episode 297 of Focus on Metal. Got a great show for you this week as we welcome back once again. Michael Sweet. I don't know how many times the guy's been on the show now. I've lost count. Four, five, six times. But, uh, yep, once again this week, Michael Sweet back on Focus on Metal. He'll be bringing us up to speed on the plans for the uh, To Hell with the Devil anniversary tour, as well as uh, some inside scoop on the solo album that is coming out this week. Well, at least if you're uh, you're listening to this on the week that we release the show, then, yeah, it'll come out this week. That would be uh, August 26th via rat pack records so as usual another great talk with michael so originally richie was intending to come down and do a bit of a front end for this week's show but uh sometimes you know family comes first he wasn't able to come down but uh if he had come down i'm sure the first topic of conversation would have been the uh, incredible glenn hughes show that we went to last weekend so if by chance that glenn hughes show is uh scheduled to come by you and it hasn't already completely sold out do yourself a favor go check that out Dude is doing, you know, 40 years worth of stuff from his career. Just an incredible, incredible performer. Soren Anderson is doing a killer job on guitar and all around top to bottom. Really, really enjoyable show to go to. And I will say to the dude that was sitting next to us, dude, you watched Stormbringer through a four-inch phone screen while Glenn Hughes was doing this right in front of you. Both Richie and myself couldn't believe this dude watched the entirety of the song, Through his phone screen and the dude that he went there with apparently was only there for one song burn which was their final encore song they did a killer killer version of burn but really you're going to glenn hughes and you're really just going for one song with all the music this dude has made but again if you have the opportunity to go see glenn on this tour definitely go and see him good stuff like i said 40 years worth of killer music the guy has uh, made and he presents a whole crap load of it on this show. And I am sure the next time that Richie comes down to the studio, he will definitely want to discuss that show. It was uh, one of the high points of our summer here on Focus on Metal. And speaking of summer and the, uh, the closing out of summer, that's about the uh, time of the year that we take a few weeks break. That's uh, you know usually right around the end of summer and right around Christmas. We try to take a few weeks off recharge the batteries you know we're doing this thing every week and we all we both got day jobs and uh sometimes it gets real hectic and so like i said a few times of the year we do treat ourselves take a few weeks off from the show so this show is going to be our final show before our annual summer break So that means we'll take the next few weeks off and we'll be back in action on the week of September 12th. Of course, that really won't be a complete uh, blackout uh, break because obviously, you know, we have a big thing planned for episode 300. And this being episode 297, that means we got to get all the interviews done for 300 in the next couple of weeks. So really looking forward to bringing you that one in uh, in September, and hopefully it will all come together as planned. And one other little bit of business, just a reminder that uh, Bob Nelbandian's Inside L.A. Metal series, the uh, latest DVD, has been released. That is uh, Inside L.A. Metal, the L.A. Metal Scene Explodes Part 2. That is now available on, on DVD, as well as on streaming from uh, Amazon and a few other places. So uh, check that one out. Once again, more fine middle history doc from our buddy Bob Nelbandian. So, with all that out of the way, what do you say we dive into a track of the week? There's only one possible thing I can do for the track of the week this week, and that, of course, is that our friends in Metal Allegiance have released some new music. And yes, I know it's cover stuff, but again, it's new Metal Allegiance. It is the coming together of the metal community in a most awesome and impressive way. So, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that Metal Allegiance released a three-song EP called fallen heroes really nice uh concept to do that and that is uh paying tribute to lemmy as well as uh, glenn fry and david bowie by uh, doing covers of iron fist life in the fast lane and suffragette city and you can order this up by going up to metalallegiance.com they also got a couple of great bundles you can pick up while you're up there as well Get a shirt, get a litho, all kinds of good stuff. And I will say, you know, if you don't do this on a regular basis, you should. You should go up to MetalAllegiance.com. You never know what kind of new swag they are going to offer. A lot of times it's just two or three or something, and then it's gone. In this case, though, I think you've got plenty of time to go up and get one of these great bundles for Fallen Heroes. And you figure, you know, Iron Fist, you know they're just going to lay that one straight out. It's going to be awesome, and it is. But then you look at Life in the Fast Lane or Suffragette City, and of course, you know, Suffragette City has that great guitar riff that Mick Ronson laid down. But to have uh, Metal Allegiance really just add that whole other metal personality to it, it just takes it up to a whole new level. And then Life in the Fast Lane, I mean, classic, classic song. But these guys, they really brought it up like another 15 to 20 notches. And then throwing Elisa White glues on there as well on vocals just takes that one over the top. So I said to myself, Self, I think that this week for Track of the Week, we are going to play off the Fallen Heroes EP. We are going to spin a life in the fast lane with some guest vocals from Alyssa White glues of Arch Enemy. great or what i love the punchy bass on there too just really in your face great bass great drums great vocals whole thing what can i say i absolutely love everything that metal allegiance does all right all right i hear you i hear you i know you wanted to hear a little bit of iron fist i i get it i'll play you a tiny bit of iron fist just to give you a taste but you gotta promise you gotta go up to metal allegiance and buy yourself a copy of fallen heroes All right, there is your taste of Iron Fist as performed by Metal Allegiance off of the Fallen Heroes EP. Again, metalallegiance.com for that one. So we are extremely pleased to once again this week welcome Michael Sweet to the show. He's become kind of a regular guest along with Joel McIver and Mike Fraser, and you know guys like that that we really consider to be friends of the show. And we, uh, we really do value our friendship with Michael. Really cool guy, makes some great music, great to hang out with, and probably one of the most down-to-earth and honest people you're going to meet in the business. So as I mentioned earlier, Michael's got a brand new solo album. It's called One-Sided War, and it's coming out on August 26th via Rat Pack Records and it just happens to feature uh, one of our uh, other frequent guests that would be Ethan Brosh and uh, also another former guest Joel Hoekster on guitar those guys doing a lot of the solos on that album and also Scott Coogan another uh, former focus on metal guest is featured on the album there you go a little tie-out back to focus on metal setting the trends here well at least in our own little minds So as mentioned, we had a great conversation with Michael. We always seem to have a great conversation with Michael. And yes, I did manage to fill in some uh, gear talk this time, Valeria, so uh, you don't have to hunt me down. Well, you can hunt me down if you want, but don't hunt me down because I didn't talk to Michael about his gear. I got that one covered for you this time. So just a heads up, though, just a little bit of business here is the fact that, uh, you know, we are releasing this episode on, uh, you know, August 23rd, 24th. So the record is still about two days away from launch, and that means that uh, we are not going to be able to play many samples from the album at all because, of course, on the different internet stations we're played on, there is this whole thing called licensing, and we can't be playing things that haven't been released. So uh, we will play a little bits and pieces of the album, but it's all stuff that's already been available It's already been added to uh, to the radio playlist and stuff. But uh, otherwise, if you're going, geez, why aren't you guys playing uh, some more samples off the album? That would be why. We do have to keep uh, stations and ourselves in the clear for those things. Uh, Even though Joe and uh, the fine folks over at Rat Pack Records are as rabid a metal fan as anybody out there, uh, we just have to keep things straight. So uh, there's that deal. And that just means that uh, you have a very, very good reason to go and uh, go up to Rat Pack Records and order yourself up a really nice Michael Sweet bundle to go along with the new album, One-Sided War. In fact, we've made that really easy for you to do. If you want, you can go up to focusonmetal.net, and right there on the homepage, you will see a banner ad that will take you directly to the order page on Rat Pack Records to pick yourself up any one of the many bundles or just even the CD of Michael Sweet's One-Sided War. So we'll kick this one off by giving you a little sample of the track Golden Age. And if you want, you can check out the video for this on YouTube featuring my buddy Ethan Brosh on guitar. And we'll dive right into the interview with Michael Sweet.
2: Michael. Yeah. Hi, Richie from Focus on Metal. How are you? Hey, what's going on? Ah, not much. Not much. I'm here with my co-host Scott again.
0: Hey, Scott. What's going on,
1: guys? Not much. Good to talk to you again, man. Are you guys focusing on metal? We oh, are.
2: Always. We're focusing
1: on, <laughs> we're focusing on Michael nice. Sweet at the moment, but absolutely.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Michael Sweet, he ain't metal, man. That guy's not metal.
2: Yeah, the new album is. Yeah, sure it is, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you doing not Plymouth? I'm in
0: Plymouth, yeah. Plymouth, Mass, and I just got back uh, last night late, late, late from uh, Biloxi. Oh, right. We played played at the uh, Hard Rock Live with uh, Skid Row. It's really oh. great, man. Awesome.
1: Nice. Yeah. So you, you came back for all the nice
2: rain and everything we're having. So.
0: Oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe it. That's, it delayed everybody getting home last night because there was rain everywhere, you know?
2: Yeah, well, we're in Lowell, so we're in Lowell, Mass, so we're uh, not too far away from you. Yeah,
0: buddy, you don't sound like you're in Lowell. You sound like you're in Scotland or something.
2: (laughs) I'm Irish, Michael.
0: Okay, Irish, Ireland. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
2: Yeah. So, so anyway, what do you like at album anniversaries? If I said what album was released on this day ten years ago, would you know?
0: Oh my gosh, (laughs) doubtful.
2: Okay. Doubtful. What about him? Oh. Your, your your album was 10 years old today.
0: Hey. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. see, I, you know what? I did not know that, and I would never know that. <laughs> I don't even know when people post online, like you guys, uh, you know, the anniversary of a particular Striper album. I, I, I say to myself, I did not know that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So it's pretty astonishing. Obviously, we have the 30-year anniversary coming up of with the Devil in October, and that's a big one.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
3: Yeah,
0: that's a real big
2: one. Any tracks on that you've never played live?
0: Um, We played them all live, but there were some tracks we didn't play often live. Tracks like Holding On. Yeah. Uh, all of Me, excuse me, uh, yeah, no, All of Me, we played just a few times. And then Rockin' the World, we played for that tour, but then we stopped playing it. So, uh, you know, those are rare, rare songs to hear live, for sure.
2: Yeah, what about singing them now? Are any of them going to be a challenge? You know, not
0: really. Those songs, not really any more than, say, you know, To with the Devil or. Uh, you know, free or the way or anything like that. But uh, I did notice we were rehearsing holding on in Vegas a couple months ago. And the thing uh, that's uh, odd about that song and it makes it a little difficult to sing is it's not so much the range of it, but it's more the style of singing. Hmm. You know, it's sung in a more clear upper range tone. And sometimes that's a little more difficult to do than the gritty style, uh, you know, uh, like tell with the devil.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine also changing over live too, where you're, you know, exactly. Yeah,
0: yep. Definitely. Absolutely. So what I do, what I have to do, uh, to hit those notes on holding on is I got to have one of the crew guys come in uh, with a pair of pliers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now I, I know you were going out with the, uh, the costumes, um, like I I've seen you a couple of times recently, so I saw you playing Wally's on Hampton Beach and we oh, met cool, we, man. we were at the gig in Malden, so we were actually met you after after the gig. So um you're wearing the costumes on this tour coming up. Was there any rolling of the eyes when it was suggested or did you actually suggest doing it?
0: No, I'll be totally honest, absolutely. We not only did we roll the eyes, but we lost sleep over it, you know. <laughs> Um, it, it, I think the last thing most any band wants to do is go back to the past. Mm. You know, there's this mindset of moving forward in any artist mind, you know, trying new things and exploring new avenues and whatnot, uh, so when you say you're going back to do this again or do that again, it's an instant uh, red light, I think, in in almost anybody's mind. But the thing about Striper that has helped us to accept with open arms things like that uh, is wanting to please the fans. You know, we're at at the end of the day, yeah, we're artists and we got to be happy. And uh, you know, obviously, everybody knows we put our faith in God and we want to please God with everything we do, but. That being said, we want to please the fans. You know, and if the fans aren't happy, let's just say if we wanted to go out and play the Reborn album in its entirety, and the fans hated that idea, but our attitude was, well, screw the fans. We're going to do what we want to do, which I've heard bands say. I don't understand that. That's just, that's crazy to me. Your fans are the people that put you where you are and keep you where you are, you darn well better make them happy or want to make them happy.
2: Yeah, no, I I will say one thing now. the, The last couple of times I've seen you, Michael, um, you you definitely varied up the set list a lot, and the only to hell with the devil stuff you played was a medley in the encore. Now, like you did three against the law songs when I saw you, you did a uh, couple of covers. You you definitely went through your whole career. So in a way, you really are challenging the audience there.
0: We're trying. I mean, and the reason why we did a medley of the to hell songs, and we didn't we didn't do many of those or any of those in their entirety, is because we're saving that for the To Hell with the Devil tour. So that's more special. Yeah, You know, and that's why. There's a purpose. There's a method to the madness, and that's why we're doing that. Um, It it might be frustrating for some fans to come to a show and not hear any of those songs, but they're going to hear them on that tour. So, um, and we try, man. We try so hard to, you know, get everything in there. You know, people complain about Not Enough in God We Trust songs, or not any. So we've added two uh, Two and God We Trust songs. We're going to add more. Mm. We want to add writings on the wall at some point. So we, we we take when the fans give us feedback, we take it to heart.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that's the right way to go. But the other thing that I found cool that you did, and, and especially the Hampton Beach show, um, you threw in a Van Halen cover, and I don't think any of the rest of the band knew you were going to do it. Do you do you like, <laughs> do you like do you like throwing that in every now and again to like surprise them? Like what makes you want to do that?
0: I do. I, I, you know what it is, is? It's the moment. You know, you look around and you see the crowd. You, you see a lot of Van Halen T-shirts or you see one Van Halen T-shirt or you hear one person yelling, Van Halen or whatever. You know, that could set it off. Uh, I could just be feeling, feeling like, hey, you know, I want to do, I want to do a pre-song right now, and I'll say, all right, guys, you know, I did this the other night. I said, all right, you'll know what this is to the band when I start playing it. Uh, so I, I have a tendency of doing that a lot lately. Yeah,
1: I mean that's, I mean that's pretty cool, and and it it lends to you know to having those kind of once in a lifetime shows as well, which is part of what makes a great band.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. And it's funny, I just I saw a tweet uh, today, I think it was, somebody said, why do you even do covers? You guys have so many great songs. Um, it, you know, and it, apparently they had a little bit of a beef with that, and I understand that to a point. And, you know, the reason why we do covers is, you know, we really, truly want to outline and throw up respect for the bands that put us here. Mm-hmm. You know, those bands, if it wasn't for Priest and Maiden and Van Halen and all these bands, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys. I wouldn't be doing this. So it's a a great opportunity to just throw up a little respect for them and have some fun. Everybody sings along. Everybody knows it. And it just kind of breaks the ice during the set.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, before we get into talking all about the, the new Soul album... Uh, one of our listeners, Valeria, will probably hunt me down and beat me if I don't ask you about your gear. Because I always ask everybody about your, about gear. But yeah. uh, she was, you know, last time we talked to you, she was like, I can't believe you didn't talk to Michael about his new Washburn signature and stuff. So <laughs> I, I figured I'd give you an opportunity to talk about a lot of the great gear you've been using lately and let people know, uh, you know, what what to expect.
0: Well, man, I got a lot of new gear. Uh, I'm still using uh, my, my rig in Nashville and storage that I'll be traveling with uh, for the Tell with uh, the Devil Tour is, is Mesa Boogie amps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I got a couple Mark 5s. I got a couple of uh, stereo uh, 290 uh, power amps, a couple of Boogie EQs, and then I've got like four uh, slant cabs. And, and, and that's what I've been using when we're traveling with our own gear. When we're not traveling with our own gear, I'm using Marshalls. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, there's reasons why. Uh, you know, I love boogie gear and I endorse boogie gear, but the problem is it's very difficult to get specifically what I want. Those Mark fives, you know, a lot of times they'll give me the, uh, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of, uh, what their, their main heads are called that Oz uses all the time. Uh, the rectifiers. Thank Mm -hmm. you very much. Those are a dime a dozen. I don't like those. Yeah. I, that's the the more the modern kind of you know tone. It's not what I go for, right. uh, so uh, that's why I get the Marshall DSLs because they're they're available, they're a dime a dozen, and it's more of the kind of tone I want. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, that's what I'm using for amplification and power. And I've been using lately the new Washburn guitars, mm-hmm. the best company I've ever worked with. They are just the nicest, most professional sweetest people ever
1: now is your, your signatures based on their parallax series right
0: yeah exactly and uh, they custom made me uh two models a Sol- uh, an ms solar v and an ms priestess hmm. uh and they are guitars that they made for other people uh and, but they made these to spec for me right so that like for example the washburn neck is very similar to like a prs custom 24 neck
1: very nice neck right there
0: yeah and and, you know i don't like jumbo frets a lot of guitars have jumbo frets i have i use medium frets Mm -hmm. so they feel very different from something you're going to pick up say a jackson or something like that um really lightweight i do things like uh, floyd upgrades on the floyd rose with big block brass instead of the cheap steel that they use um yeah yeah difference there Big difference. I use Teflon saddles. I I use Seymour Duncan blackouts, but I reverse the pickups. Hmm. So the bridge is in the neck and the neck is in the bridge.
2: Wow, that's pretty
0: cool. And I did that by mistake. And what was really odd about that, I realized usually neck pickups have a lot less output than bridge pickups. Yeah,
1: that's what I was thinking. If you swap them over, you're probably getting a really cool, it's like you probably discovered it and went, wow, I'm getting a great classic PAF tone out of my bridge pickup now.
0: What it, is, what's interesting, yeah, exactly. It's much warmer and smoother, but it's the same output. Mm-hmm. So it still has that gain, all the gain of the bridge pickup. Yeah. So it blew my mind. I'm like, oh, my God, I love this. <laughs> And, and that's kind of my own thing that I do. Whenever I tell people that, they're like, what? Why do you do that, you know? Because it, it sounds great. Uh, and then I'm using uh, ISP, mm-hmm. uh, Theta Pro uh, pedal, all-in-one pedal. It is absolutely superb. I have a Fractal. I've I've used Line 6s. I've used Kempers. Uh, this box is un believable into an am and direct it, it, it's the best box i've ever heard
1: it's all in one yeah i mean you sounded great with it down in malden and i know you know i've i've uh, heard ethan playing through it too and uh yeah, yeah it sounds fantastic that's a they're good, amazing box yeah
0: they're just so stupid amazing it's not <laughs> even funny it's just they just have so much more headroom and uh, clarity and it's just hard to explain it you got to just feel it and play it to believe it yeah
1: very cool. Yeah, like I said, it, it sounded great when you were playing through it, and um, yeah, it is. I
0: appreciate it, man. I'm still tweaking it out. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm I make fine it, tuning changes every night, uh, but I love it. I love I love how my how it's working for me with the the rig that I have and the combination of everything. I'm very pleased. Hmm.
1: So, of course, you know, one of the main reasons we're talking to you tonight is obviously the the new solo album is rolling towards us, fast approaching uh, release date, and uh, everybody wants to know about it. And, of course, uh, you know, our first impressions were when we talked to you, you talked about it being one of the most heavy things you've done, and uh, definitely was like, wow, just uh, a lot of impact on this one.
0: You know what, man? Yeah, I wanted it to be an album like those old albums that in the late 70s, early 80s, that Mm -hmm. would come out and just kind of hit you in the face. Yeah. And sucker punch you. Where I'll never forget when I was, we were we were painting the walls of our rehearsal room yellow and black, way back in uh, like nineteen. I want to say it was 80, uh, 82 or three. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it was the first time I had heard Bruce sing for Maiden, mm-hmm. and i I did a spin around i'm like what the heck you know i like that feeling when you hear an album yeah when you hear a song where your head spins around and you're like what is that you know and that's that's the approach i tried to take with this album yeah i, yeah. I don't know if i accomplished that
1: but i tried yeah no i would uh, say you succeeded in it yeah me too that's the same thing as i remember you know a lot of those great albums putting them on you know and uh, just being like, wow, just being exactly. inspired by what you want to hear and just like stopping in your tracks and just being yes. almost just transfixed by the music. And totally. uh, this, you, you hit it on this one.
0: Well, I wanted to, man. And, and, you know, uh, there's nothing like that feeling. And that's why i you know, I, I wanted to shine as a guitar player, but as I, as I, I played a lot of the rhythms and, and overdubs and stuff, I, I played some of the solos. But as I started working on solos, I realized, you know, this is just sounding like another Striper album. And I really wanted it to be special and have its own unique sound. Mm-hmm. And that's why I brought in Joel Holkstra, yeah. and that's why I brought in Ethan Brosh. Yeah,
1: yeah you know, and good it's, choices. It,
0: Yeah, and it's not about ego here. I mean, you know, if it was, I would have done everything. But I, I really wanted to make it the best album it could be, and and that meant me not playing a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah, Michael, how did Ethan come on your radar? Like, of course, Joel. A lot more people know Joel now than they would Ethan. Like, we're friends with Ethan. Like, we've had him on the show, and we actually met him at the Striper gig in Malden. He was there, and. Um, we actually met him at a George Lynch show, I think two weeks after that. So <laughs> we see him around.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the first time I met and saw Ethan was at a striper show, you know, he came to a striper show and it was really cool to see him. And we met and he became friends with Oz and eventually he and I became friends and stayed in touch. And over the years, we've talked about going out and touring together and, putting together a solo band and him being the player. Uh, And when I did this album and I was looking for players, I mean, he was the first guy that popped into my head. Mm. And I I sent him the tracks. He tracked the solos. He'd call me and say, what do you think? And I'd say, you know what, change the end lick just a little bit. He'd change it and he'd call me back and we went back and forth for a couple days. Then I went to his house. We finalized and tweaked a few things and that was it. And I love Ethan because he's kind of like a cross between George Lynch Mm-hmm. Who's one of my favorite players of all time? Yeah, but he has his own thing too. Yeah, you hear like little little bits and pieces of like Steve Vai and little Ingve I mean, he's really got an interesting style.
1: He, you know, it's very cool. Yeah, he does. You know, the other thing that's cool about Ethan too, and I think it's probably one of the reasons you guys work so well together is. He's a, he's a guy who truly loves to play and he's still like excited and almost childlike every time he picks up a guitar and discovers something new. And, and no matter how good he is, I I think it's, he always has that element of, of just excitement and discovery with what he's doing
0: absolutely and, and totally and completely with his playing but at the same time even with things like his look and the mm-hmm. way he dresses you know he, he really loves obviously the 80s but yet he doesn't live in the 80s so he still has qualities of today going on mm-hmm. you know but he he appreciates uh, the greatness of the 80s and those guitar heroes from the 80s right yeah exactly
2: yeah so michael tell tell me about uh, how we, how you picked the rhythm section for the album
0: well, I mean, I I, I met Will. Uh, we were playing M3, and he was playing with Sebastian Bach. And I we were hanging out on the side of the stage watching another band, and, I, and I, I was talking to him, and I just said, Dude, how you doing? He said, Hey, pleasure meeting you. I'm a fan, blah, blah, blah. I said, I'm a fan of you. And I told him right then and there, I said, If I, if I do another solo album, uh, you're, you're playing on it. And uh, he said, Great. Well, that was like a year later. And I called him up, and he said, it'd be an honor. And, you know, I knew what he would do, and I knew he would deliver. He's one of my top, right now, probably top five drummers. I mean, I love Will. I love Kenny Arnoff. I love Brian Tishy. Uh, that style of drumming, mm-hmm. where they've got the flash and they've got the skills, but they've also got the meat and potatoes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not into drummers that are all skills or all flash, and have no meat and potatoes, you know. <laughs> and 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 he's got that stuff. He can just play, you know, boom, ba, boom, boom ba, you know, and just kill it. Yeah. So those are my kind of drummers. And uh, he he killed it on on uh, on this album. I mean, he just slayed it. And uh, you know, he was a, a one take kind of kind of guy. As was Tishy on Sweet and Lynch. Mm-hmm. Same kind of player. Yeah. Uh, and Kenny Arnoff on my, other, uh, my last two solo albums. So those three guys are just phenomenal. And Will, Will just took this album to a whole new level. Yeah. And-, and then I've got John O'Boyle on bass who locked right in. He's a local guy. He's amazing. Uh, and I think is going to really impress a lot of people. Um, and then I did all the, all the rhythm stuff. Yeah. All, all the rhythm guitars.
2: Michael, did you track this one out in Western Mass where you do the Striper albums?
0: I did. Absolutely, I did. And uh, we used a lot of the similar, uh, you know, instruments, like the drums. We went through the same drum kit, uh, tried different cymbals and different miking techniques, but a lot of similarities.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, when I spoke to you about the Sweet and Lynch album, you said it was very important that you actually got the rhythm section to work with you in person. You're not really someone then that wants to do this file sharing thing at all.
0: I mean, I, not really. I, I do it if I have to. Like, I had to do it to a degree on Sweet and Lynch. Uh, George, you know, uh, tracked his guitars out in L.A. and then sent us the files. So, it, it didn't really have a choice. The, the great thing about that was I was able to converse with George and get on the phone, and we were going back and forth on, on Skype and, and uh, excuse me, speakerphone and whatnot. And, you know, it worked. It totally worked, because George is a pro, I'm a pro, Chris is a pro who, who tracked, uh, Chris Collier, who tracked, uh, tracked George. But man, I typically don't like to do that, especially with drums and bass. Mm. Really important for me to be in the room, if I'm producing, in the room when they're tracking drums and bass, for sure.
1: Yeah. 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 It makes sense. I mean, it's, it's the foundation of everything, and if they're not bringing the feel you want, then you kind of, you really don't have a song.
0: Exactly, exactly. And once it's tracked and they send you the files, and it's a done deal, it's like, oh well, I, I yeah, okay. I guess we'll settle with that groove. That's not what I wanted, <laughs> but uh, yeah, exactly. And it's very important because, as you said, that's the foundation. You're building the house upon that.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Now let's let's talk a little bit about some of the tracks on the album, Michael. I only got it sent to me yesterday, but "Can't Take This Life" is is a really like in your face metal song, very Judas Priest like.
0: It is. It's. It's very Priest. I'm. I'm a big Priest fan. Uh, probably in terms of classic metal, uh, there did be on my top three list.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Me too. Maybe even number one. <laughs> uh, and of course, Maiden. Maiden would be right up there. Dio would be right up there. Mm. Uh, I. I. I love Priest, and I think that comes out probably more often than any other band in my writing.
2: Yeah, and the other song I, I listened to, it, Radio, what was the inspiration behind that? Is it just all the fake country bands that are Yeah,
0: okay? yeah, totally. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. And and it, it, what what's, um, what's makes it acceptable to do for me is because I'm singing that to myself. Because yeah. I've done it too.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that because in a way you kind of have to compromise sometimes to be successful and get on the radio. And I'm thinking... Maybe on In God We Trust, you did a little bit of it yourself there.
0: Well, I mean, I did it, I did it on the last solo album. I had a, a song called Coming Home, and it was, it was a very country feeling song. And here's the thing I enjoy doing that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, and I grew up in a country family. My, my dad wrote a, a, a number one country song in 78, and I played on his sessions when I was a kid. And so I, I know country, I love country, old school. But I'm not going to ever try to be a country guy. Yeah. Because I'm not a country guy. So when I see guys who have been rock guys their entire lives, all of a sudden putting on cowboy hats.
2: Are you talking about someone from Boston? <laughs>
0: well, I mean, it, we can all we can all figure it out, you know. And more power to them, you know, and, and I wish them all the best. But it's just kind of, it's a tough pill to swallow.
2: Yeah. I agree. <laughs>
0: it just doesn't feel right. And that's what the song's about, but in a fun way, not like in a in a uh, a mean spirited way, just in a kind of a funny like I'm basically trying to convince my band that we got to go country and if we do we're going to have a number one song, we're going to be on the radio and then we're going to fake the fun like a clown in a rodeo, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that's that's what the song's about. It's supposed to be funny. Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah, well, I mean that's that's cool. I mean it it harkens back a little bit. I mean you were more serious with with big screen lies, but again, kind of more of a of a current commentary. So I, I like when you do those. <laughs>
0: Me too, man. I enjoy doing it, and it breaks the mold. I think people automatically expect us to sing about one thing and one thing only. Hmm. You know, our faith and our relationship in, in God, and, and I get that. I understand that, and we do for the most part. But, you know, on this album, since especially since it's, since it's a solo album, I felt like I had the freedom a little bit more to try different things lyrically.
1: Yeah. 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 So when you were doing this... Um, was it pretty much you, you know, that the Joe left you alone and just waited for you to deliver the album, or did uh, did the folks at Rat Pack have any kind of input into it?
0: No, Joe didn't have any input. I mean, we, we definitely both agreed upon the direction of the album, hmm. which was, we kept using the term classic metal. Sure. You know, and that's kind of what it is. Yeah, I would agree, yeah. You know, it, 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 songs like radio might be a little more modern or whatever, but, I mean, for the most part, it's pretty much classic metal. But Joe didn't hear any any of the ideas or riffs or anything. Hmm. And and here's the thing, and I guess, you know, I'm kind of risking sounding a little bit jerky here. Um, when I do a deal with the label, I, I, I tell them you're not getting any demos. <laughs> And I, that's up front. That's a deal breaker for me. It's like, oh, we won't do your demos. It's like, no, you're not hearing demos. <laughs> and it's like, if I haven't proven what I can do, then you're not the right label for me. Yeah. You know, and I I, I think I've proven as a writer and a producer what I'm capable of.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, your demos probably sound better than a lot of bands' actual albums sound. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, here's the thing. I mean, I, I, I feel like the track record speaks for itself. And then here's the other thing, though. I, I view it as a waste of energy. Like, I want to put all that energy and time into the real deal. Mm. I don't want to spend two months on demos. You know, you, you're either signing me from the, my track record and who you know I am, or you, then then you don't have a vision for what I do. Right. And, you know, I said that with Frontiers. It's like they asked for demos when we first signed with them. I said, what are you, what are you, crazy? You're not getting demos.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a few weeks ago, Richie was talking to to Mick Brown and he was talking about, you know, trying to get bookings for his, his band and, some guy, what was it, the Hard Rock or something, yeah. was, was asking him for demos. Like he, never, he didn't know who Mick Brown was, and Mick was like, what, what do you mean he wants a demo? It's like, I'm Mick Brown, like so Kim T- Nugent, like, really, a demo? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I
0: get it. If you're, if you're trying to break a pop artist or something, and it's all about the song and hit songs, radio hit songs, Yeah, okay, I get that. You've got to do demos and you've got to co-write with a lot of people. You know, you, you, There are different things you have to do. But when it's a, an established rock band that's proven themselves to write decent rock songs, album after album, year after year, it, it, there's no need for demos. You know, it's just a waste of money and time and effort.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, so, Michael, what are your hopes on actually getting out for this album and playing any of it live?
0: Man, I got to get out. I, I mean, it's, Striper, it's tricky because I don't want to put Striper on a shelf. So we're touring hard this year. We're going to do the Towel with the Devil tour from September to November. Very extensive. Uh, and then next year, I got my solo album coming out August 26th of this year. And then next year, I would like to do some solo sh- touring and solo shows. Nice. And maybe even some Sweet Lynch touring as well.
2: Yeah,
1: all okay. things we'd be looking forward to seeing, definitely.
0: Yeah, because we're doing a Striper album next year. Uh, in January, February, it'll come out end of next year. And then we're doing a Sweet Lynch album. Okay. Right after that, and that'll come out 18. But I want to go out there and, and tour solo, tour Sweet Lynch. Definitely do some more Striper uh, select uh, fly dates. But, man, you know, it, it, I I, I kind of keep going back and forth from touring and recording, touring and recording, and I enjoy doing it. I enjoy doing both, but I like taking a break from both as well.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: One thing you should tell George to do is get himself one of those TC electronic wiretap stomp boxes that lets you, like, if you get a riff in your head to, like, record... <laughs> Cause, I mean, you, you must have had the experience with him, right? He's us noodling around. Next thing you know, he gets a riff. And when we, when we saw him, he's, he's just, you know, it was great watching him. But, he, you know, he gets a riff and he starts jamming it out. And then he's telling Jimmy, hey, record this. And Jimmy's got his iPhone in the air. And I'm just thinking, if he just would get himself the wiretap on that pedal board, he could just pop it in there and record know, his dude. riff and go on. And he'd be all set. I, I hear you. You know what I do? I, I have my iPhone.
0: Yeah. And uh, I'll be driving down the road. And I get like, I get this riff in my head. Yeah. So I'll take it and record it with my mouth. Yeah. Into the phone. Then when I get home, I work out a guitar part for it. And then that's it. I do that all, the time, you all should, the time.
2: You should send that in for the demo, just to see. <laughs> oh what, yeah, totally. To I what, do. Just to see what they'd say.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, sometimes I do. I've sent to the guys before me going, rah, 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 you know, and they're like, "What is this?" You know,
2: <laughs> that's a top ten so. hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, all right, Michael. Final final question for me. Um, one of the things I've noticed since... Uh, I'm living here five years now, and all the Shed tours go out every year, and they've been like Night Ranger and Def Leppard and Poison and Heart and all these bands, and I've never seen your name on any of them. We you ever, ever offered any of the Shed tours that go out every summer?
0: No, we we don't ever get offered those tours, and, you know, it's it's really weird, man. Uh, it's I can only give you my perception of it, and then everyone else can either take that or leave it, Uh <laughs> I, I feel because of who we are, many times we're discriminated against. Hmm. And, and people don't have to say it, you know. Those actions definitely speak volumes and much louder than any word would ever speak. Uh, but we get passed over all the time. And I'm just kind of standing there scratching my head like, why? Because we throw out Bibles? <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, and, and, and at the risk of sounding egotistical here, I don't care. I'll say it. Uh, you know, we're better than most of the bands that you're going to see opening for these for these tours. Mm. So it's kind of sad. Uh, we just now started playing casinos, and casinos were telling our agents, "Oh no, we don't want them. They're that Christian band." We don't want that in a casino. Well, now that we started playing casinos and they're seeing us, they're like, oh my gosh, we love these guys. We want to have them back. You know, it's like people have this perception of us that's false, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: They think, we're, they think we're like pastors that are going to go out with our collars on and sit on a stool and pull out the Bible.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You definitely still bring it live, like you got I, I, I always keep saying this to you, Michael. It's the four original guys, there's not that many bands out there. You you're still a great singer, you're all still great players, you all still have hair. That's your <laughs> own. <laughs> you know? So.
0: We got we got some of our hair and it, it is the original lineup, which is really the the main most important uh, point there yeah. which i and i was saying this to the crowds recently as a joke basically but i was saying name one band that has the original lineup and they're, it's really hard to do yeah yeah and you can't count motley cuz they're done yeah. or at least they said they are <laughs> uh, there, there's, there's very few bands that have the original lineup and we're one of them yeah
1: but the other thing is like you said there's very few bands that have the original lineup but there's also very few bands that are actually still a band that, you know, I see you guys hanging out. It's obviously, you know, you guys all still like each other. You all still get along and you go out on stage and you have a blast. And there's really extremely fewer bands that do that. I agree.
0: I mean, I heard about the whole uh, Motley thing, you know, how, uh, after the last show, you know they they didn't even talk to each other or say goodbye, and uh, and Nikki stopped following uh, Tommy on Twitter, and which is which is silly, but at the same time, it, that's that's kind of where a lot of these bands are at. They don't they don't even like each other, and you know we have our moments where. We have beefs and, and we argue and yell it out and whatnot. But I mean, we do like each other and we do get along and we do hang out. We go to the movies together. We go eat together. Um, we enjoy each other's company. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's a rarity, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's like, I mean, that was always one of the best things about being in a band was was that kind of stuff. Where, you know, you take a back rehearsal, go get pizza, and and have a blast, and and, and exactly. you, you get over things. So it's uh, totally. it's great that you guys, you know, have that same thing is is, and it carries through in your show too.
0: Well, man, I I hope so, and 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 that is important, and I think that carries over onto the crowd as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're up there clowning around and laughing, they're laughing, and it's a different experience. Yeah. You know, uh, when you come to the Striper Show versus when you go to uh, any other rock show, it's definitely different in a, in a good way, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing that's really unique with, with you guys, you know, is the cross-section of people that are at your show. That you've got people that, you know, will have, you know... A Megadeth shirt on, or or you know a Judas Priest shirt on, or you know a lot of times you go to a, a show and you pretty much have a, an audience that's pretty uniform in in a kind of a singular taste. But you exactly. guys have a, you cast a wide net over uh, over uh, you know the audience.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing, and you know lately we've been seeing like lots of kids. Yeah. Uh, we've been seeing people our age. We, we we'll we'll uh, be talking to someone after the show, and they'll come up and say, "Hey, you know, you guys are my favorite band." I'm an atheist. Uh, I don't I don't believe what you believe in, but you're my favorite band. Hmm. And you know, things like that all the time. It's like, wow, whoa. You know, I got interviewed overseas uh, not that long ago by by a Satanist, hmm. and he said we we're one of his favorite bands.
1: Well, music's like, good. Wow, you know, okay. you, can't, you can't deny <laughs> you know? a good song. You know what I mean? No yeah, matter, no incredible. No matter what, you know
0: absolutely and and to me that does uh, speak volumes and it tells me that you know we're doing something right because we are reaching people whether it's with the music or whether it's with the lyric or both uh, or our lifestyles, our words, our interviews, uh, you know, it's working, it's it's reaching people, hopefully it's encouraging people, because there's so much uh, darkness in this world, I think the world needs more light, man, and hopefully Striper's a light.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the thing too is, you know, is it, you know it's not just r- religion, but, I mean, there's also just spirituality, I mean, you can be an atheist, but still, you know, understand spirituality, and I think Absolutely. music is an important part of spirituality, so, uh, you know, it, it if, if they can find that within your music and still take away something, then, then you've kind of accomplished something.
0: I think it's great. I really do. I think it's fantastic. And, uh, you know, that's why we're still going. That's why we do this, you know, is to, is to move people. Yeah, the music is great. It's fun to crank the amps and, and run around on stage and, and put on a show and have fun. But, you know, what really matters is after the show is done, and people go home. It, does it have a lasting effect on on their hearts, on their lives, on their minds? Mm-hmm. That's what really makes a difference, and, and matters to Striper most.
1: Sure, I mean that's putting it very well. I think absolutely. Well, uh, you know, I hope that you. We, uh are able to catch you on the, uh, yeah, to the anniversary tour, that'd be pretty cool. I, I'm going to still keep my my spandex in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> my kids have looked at it and been like, Dad, did you really wear that back in the 80s? I'm like, well, if you were in a band, uh, there's a period of time where, yeah, you wore spandex. They're like, you're not going to put it on, right? And it's like, no, no, I won't. And they're like, thank you. <laughs>
2: Uh, I, I think you're playing in Malden again michael i'm not
1: i know
0: you know what we may be uh, we're definitely going to hit a lot of the same markets uh yeah. in areas that we hit on this last run and then some different ones too uh but we're we're pumped man it's going to be fun it's just going to be a celebration uh of that anniversary of that album and we can't wait to do it it's going to be awesome you, are
2: you getting overseas for this one at all
0: not this year okay but there's always next year. And hopefully uh, we can get overseas and, and, and we can go to different parts of the world and take that tour there as well.
1: Excellent. Nice. nice. Well, that's that's good. I'm looking forward to, uh, to actually going out and, and seeing that. I remember when I bought the CD and uh, thought, wow, this is just... Uh... Just just the song craft that was on it was so different than what was out there in the marketplace at that time. And and that's the first thing I really got into with it was was that. So it's going to be cool to see the whole thing live and, and really enjoy that. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, man, we had... The uh, thing about that album, Tell With The Devil especially, is we there were so many different influences on us musically. Mm-hmm. You know, like we loved Queen. Yeah. And, you know, we incorporated big background vocals. Right. We loved Boston uh, guitar tone, mm-hmm. and you know we were and Van Halen. We were always trying to achieve this own our own unique guitar tone, and and we had we loved Journey. So we had the ballads, and there were so many different things incorporated into our music. And I think that made us that, that set us apart from some other bands.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so, and, and and that was, you know, that period of time. It was a lot of it was like the big gang vocal, but you guys didn't go for the gang vocal. You no, went no, 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 no. Queen backing vocals. That exactly. Build the layer, and, and, it, and it really set it apart with that kind of a stuff.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, we didn't. We did gang on a few songs, but we tried to stay away from that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't also. It wasn't draped in reverb. It wasn't draped nope. in a ton of chorus. You know, nope. things were punchy. So yeah, I mean, definitely was, was sonically was, was different and refreshing.
0: Well, cool, man. I'm really happy to hear it, and we're gonna we're gonna hopefully keep that alive that uh, that mentality, and our our motto is to improve upon the last. and And this this time around, when we do the next album, I hope it improves and, and is better than Fallen. And we're gonna keep trying to get better and better. And maybe we'll get to that point where we're turning out the best music of our lives. You know, forty years later. Wow.
2: Yeah. Well, Michael, I gotta say, one-sided war, definite winner for me. It's a fantastic album. Well done
0: man thank you buddy i, I appreciate appreciate i'm glad you guys like it and i just hope the rest of the world likes it as much and uh we'll see we'll see what they think that day's coming really quick
1: it is coming up quick i can't wait to get my package in from rat pack
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice man well i appreciate you guys waving the flag and pushing it and supporting it and it means the world
1: to me hey no, right, no problem you can always count on us and uh we're looking forward to seeing you live very soon
0: Awesome, man. You guys be good and stay out of trouble and can't wait to see you soon, okay? Yeah, All, right, All
2: right, Michael. Have a good night. Thanks, Take Mike. care, guys. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. bye bye
1: There you go, our talk with Michael Sweet. And again, big thanks to Michael for taking the time to talk to uh, Richie and I. And you can, of course, always head up to michaelsweet.com to get all of the latest information on Michael's tour dates, as well as all his social media links and his current merchandise offerings. And as long as you're on your browser, head up to Rat Pack Records. Pick yourself up your own copy of One-Sided War. Or you can also head up to focusonmetal.net Click the banner ad for One Sided War. That'll bring you right over there as well. And if you want to hear some more samples from the album from uh, between now and when the album comes out, you can go over to focusonmetal.blogspot.com and we will uh, post the uh, EPK for the album up on the uh, show notes for this one. And if you want to find out about the tour schedule for the To Hell with the Devil 30th Anniversary Tour, you can head up to striper.com. So that will do it for another week here at Focus on Metal. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we'll take the next couple of weeks off, so uh, there will be no new Focus on Metal goodness from uh, now until September 12th. But if you feel like you want to get your weekly dose of Focus on Metal, as usual, there are still lots of episodes up on iTunes, as well as plenty of them to download and stream off of the episodes page over at Focus on Metal.net. So that's it. There ain't no more. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Looking forward to talking to you again in a few weeks. But uh, until then, you can always keep up with us at Focus on Focus on I'm sure Richie's going to be posting on Facebook, and I will, of course, be tweeting over on Twitter. So for uh, Richie, myself, and everybody here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a good couple of metal weeks. And until we talk to you again, remember Focus on And metal! Everything else is
3: insignificant.